Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Much More Football. I'm your host, Frankie Lippold, and joining me today, none other than Mitch Farnsworth and Mitch Ball, as always. Uh, a huge week of college football as there's two huge ranked SEC games that we will touch on. We'll also touch on last week's collapses of LSU and OU and how Mitch Ball is going to go in on Tom Herman, how he's the greatest coach in college football. Uh, so let's get right into it. Mitch Farnsworth, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm ready to go. Another week of college football coming up, and I'm excited. Two big matchups in the SEC. Absolutely, Mitch Bala, yourself. Horns up, baby. Horns up. <laughs> Horns up. Well, and it's starting early. Yeah, well, I guess we'll just start there now. Uh, we'll start with the with the Texas Longhorns, and, and in the Big Twelve, they s- survived Texas Tech. Uh, in an overtime finish, winning 63-56, uh, remaining undefeated. Um, I mean, just an absolute choke job by Texas Tech, uh, l- letting Texas go score in like 10 seconds and then not getting the onside kick. Uh, so, Mitch Farnsworth, your thoughts on Texas staying alive and now with Oklahoma's loss, uh, which we're going to touch on, uh, Texas seems to be the favorite to uh, win the Big 12 as of now, but not a great performance by them. Yeah, pretty much stereotypical Big 12 game, a lot of offense, no defense, as uh, what you could say in this game. But, man, I think we all were like, this is over. Texas Tech is taking that two-touchdown lead or 10-point lead, and we thought it was all over. Texas's dreams of being back were going to be dashed, and everybody, the Twitter was already jumping on them early, ten, about 10 minutes before. Uh, you know, there was still time on the clock, obviously, but Texas Tech just falls apart at the end, you know, up. It's twenty-one. They scored twenty-one points in the third quarter. Have that lead, and then Texas roars back just at the very end. Gets that. I think they're going a thirty-second drive. Scores then. Gets um, gets the onside kick. Scores again. Gets the two. It just I, I don't know how Texas Tech really lost that game. That's that's when you look at it, and when you go back at the season, like how did they lose that game? Now that's 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 going to be a tough one to Texas Tech to swallow, but. Texas it stays alive in the uh, the Big 12. You know, can't say that for a lot of other Big 12 teams right now, but I'll move on to Mitch Ball and let him uh, get his analysis of the game. Well, I mean, guys, it was just a phenomenal showing by our Lord and Savior, best coach in the country, Tom Herman, to have his team ready to play against that vaunted Texas Tech team that I know most analysts had picked to go to the college football playoff, if I'm not mistaken, right, guys? Because they, they are one of the top teams in the country. I believe so, yes. Oh, okay, yeah, so that makes sense then how, I mean, wow, there's just great effort there by Sam Ellinger with the 70 QBR. Man, the Heisman front runner, I, I believe. Um, apparently Texas is back. Uh, just great showing. I could not be more proud of the most overrated and overhyped team in the most overhyped conference in college football. Absolute travesty that people think Texas is back. Horns aren't up. Horns are down, as always. They are a joke. Tom Herman is a joke. Sam Ellinger is a joke. Texas Tech should feel ashamed that they lost to such a bad team like Texas. Texas isn't going to be in the top ten much longer, even if they keep winning. Because once wow. Big starts, they'll be getting shafted out of there. Just a terrible showing. They, they are lucky. Texas Tech pulled an Atlanta Falcons of the NFL. That's what happened. No. And to make matters worse, yep. is I was watching that game at the bar – 40 seconds remaining, 
and somebody wanted all the TVs to have the Indians and Tigers on. Oh, I was furious. I didn't get to see the last, and I couldn't watch it on my phone because you're a Longhorn Network. I guess when you're elite like that, you get your own network too. So uh, hats off to Tom Herman on overcoming such a great team and knocking off the Texas Tech, who, I, I mean, I think we're favorites to win it all this year, guys. Yeah, horns up all week going into this week for sure. Uh, we'll stick it with it. Another uh, school in the Big 12, Oklahoma, came into this week ranked third with Lincoln Riley and Spencer Atley, and on two separate occasions blew 21-point leads, was up 28-7, was up 35-14, uh, with two minutes and 46 seconds left in the third quarter, uh, and Kansas State uh, scores 24 straight points to stun OU and win 38-35. Second year in a row, uh, Mitch Farnsworth at Kansas State's the team to upset OU. Um, and, and OU had looked pretty solid. Spencer uh, Rattler had looked really good um, early on and came out um, and, and didn't do much uh, at all in the fourth quarter, throwing uh, a bunch of interceptions. So, Mitch Farnsworth, uh, what does this do for OU and Lincoln Riley? Man, this sets it back. This is uh, they've got two. Got to um, got to bounce back here for sure because that game against Texas is coming up. Uh, I think the next week, week or so, next week or two weeks from now, you got to be ready for that because they're going to come at some rivalry. It's going to be a big game, or at least going to have the driver's seat in the Big Twelve for the rest of the season. But going back to this game, OU Spencer Radler, you know, the three interceptions. Kansas State had that scoop. Uh, scoop and score from a, for a touchdown. They blocked an OU punt in Sooner territory. Uh, just a lot of mistakes from this Oklahoma team that I thought was going to make the Final Four, but just you just can't blow leads like that twice. Especially you can't blow it once, you can't blow it twice. But, you know, Kansas State had 10 first downs, I think. Two for 11 on third down, if I'm reading this right. It was, uh, I think it's the fewest first downs by a winner against OU since Nebraska did. Uh, 11 years ago, and it's the only time in the past decade someone has had fewer than 17 first downs and beaten OU. So that's kind of telling you, you know, Oklahoma really shot themselves in the foot a lot of times there. But Kansas State, two years in a row, finds a way to beat an Oklahoma, you know, an Oklahoma team that's destined for it looks like the Final Four, but um, the Final Four, the playoff, but. You know, it's just you can't have those mistakes happen. And Oklahoma and Texas just both haven't looked great. The whole Big 12 overall has not looked great. But, man, it, you just can't blow leads like that with how good this Oklahoma team can really be. But it looks like Kansas State had their number in the last two week games that they played. Right. No, you has dropped all the way down to in the 20s in the AP poll. And I, and I had also picked them to make the, the playoff and even make it to the national championship game. Because uh, my biggest thing on Lincoln Riley is he can get you there, but he can never win the big one, and apparently he can never also beat Kansas State either. So, Mitch Bala, your thoughts on seeing OU drop from three all the way to the the, the low twenties, um, barely even ranked after that uh, terrible fourth quarter performance. Well, that just goes to show show you how uh, bad Kansas State really was thought to be around college football this year for Oklahoma to have that big of a plummet. But what's shocking to me is the wagon didn't turn over this year like we saw last year. Mitch Farnsworth, I still remember that fact you brought up last year. The last time Oklahoma's wagon fell over before last year was when they played Kansas State years ago, and they lost. Very true. Kansas State is Lincoln Riley's kryptonite, apparently, besides college football playoff games. And I know Spencer Rattler was you know, supposed to be 
what you would say third in line, I believe, for the Heisman behind Lawrence and Justin Fields, but um, not a good showing from him. Just an all-around bad, bad day to have a bad game if you're the Sooners. And the Big 12 in some trouble because they have no team that look that great right now, which maybe besides Texas, but then that should tell you how bad they look. Oklahoma State's there, but still. Well, they, got, they do have Chubba Hubbard. You can't yeah. count him out. I like Chubba Hubbard and Mike Gundy. You know, but just a bad loss, man. I mean, I think I even I picked Oklahoma to get to the college football playoff. and um, Poor Noah Denke. Poor, poor Noah. Good, good friend of the show was on, has been on the show before, and uh, his his juniors go down in a big, big embarrassing way. I want to say I'm shocked, but I'm not, because I feel like we're going to see a lot, a lot of this throughout college football this year, throughout other conferences, Frank. And I know we're going to touch on one game later that no one really saw coming, yep. at least the result of it. So, I mean, I just, I'm shocked, but at the same time, I'm not. Yeah, and like Mitch Ball said, there were one more huge upset. LSU, the defending national champions, had was a 14-and-a-half-point favorite uh, at home against Mississippi State, uh, and LSU loses the game 44-34. Uh, Miss, they give up Mississippi State's quarterback, K.J. Uh, Costello, threw for 623 yards. That's not a typo. He threw the SEC record uh, along with five touchdowns uh, in the debut of Mike Leach's air raid offense. Um, and LSU goes from sixth all the way down. Um, and Mitch Farnsworth, your thoughts on LSU and Coach O's performance a- after coming back? I know they had lost a lot, but still ranked in the top ten. They were six at the time, and a bad loss for them. And I kind of want to say effectively eliminates them already out of SEC running. Yeah, uh, that's like uh, you kind of just hinted on. This LSU team has lost a lot of talent, you know, from Burrow, obviously, and. Um, Edwards Hilaire, the you know the big running back that's doing great things in Kansas City now for the Chiefs, but uh, Jamar Chase uh, opting out and not playing this season. Just a lot of losses for this LSU team. Five touchdowns, two picks. Just throwing all over. I'm going to take over this the DBU uh, that Psych. LSU says that they are, and I know that the uh, two gentlemen here that are going to talk after me are going to have something to say about that, but. Um, it, it, it's looked like uh, Miles Brennan really wasn't – he looked comfortable at points, then didn't look comfortable. He had the three touchdowns, two interceptions for LSU. The running game wasn't really that much of a factor for LSU. Uh, Terrence Marshall Jr. is a good wide receiver. I think he had 100 – I think he went over 100 yards and two touchdowns he had. But, man, I, for Mississippi State, that was, uh, that was a kind of hump to go over with uh, – I think three guys went over 300 yards or over 100 yards. Each got, I think, six plus receptions, almost 20 yards per catch. But man, that, that was an intriguing game back and forth. And LSU just couldn't get, you know, I thought LSU did really well for what they lost against a good Mississippi State team. But man, that it's it's kind of hard to see that LSU that fall from grace from you know national champions to losing the first week of the season. Uh, first, I think it's the first time since 1998 that the now defending national champion has lost their first game. So, uh, yeah, LSU's going to have to get back on track. They got to be ready for. I believe I think they're playing Vanderbilt this week. Should be an easier test, but it's in. It is at Vanderbilt, so they got to become ready. Uh, ready, you know, easy games in the SEC. No, absolutely. And Mitch uh, Ball, I want to take you. Uh... To a different angle from this game, after seeing uh, LSU give up over 600 passing yards, uh, your thoughts on LSU's claim as DBU? They, they claim that. Um, I don't know why you would claim something that was never rightfully yours or you ever had, 
because it's just a f- straight lie. If anybody's DBU in the SEC, because we all know where DBU really is, and that's in Columbus, Ohio, the Ohio State University. But it, to be honest, if anyone's DBU in the SEC, in my opinion, or over the years, I mean, I think Florida has a legitimate gripe over yep. LSU, and it just goes to show, show you, you can't have something you never had, LSU. You, you can't, I mean... Everybody on Twitter was going at him. Uh, other SEC players that are now in the NFL, a lot of Buckeyes we saw on Twitter. Yep. Other schools that claim their DBU. LSU virtually just knocked themselves out of the running to be considered that because you can't give up 600 yards in the air. No, right? absolutely. I will say one thing, though. You said it virtually takes them out of the SEC running, which, yes, but that SEC is so good that they're if they write the ship, which it didn't look like it, and, you know, I, I was – being bold week one with my pick saying LSU is winning the SEC, it's not over for them. I mean, if they, go, if they win out, they're going to go through some of the best of the best in the SEC and still have a chance. Yeah, but they're not going to win out, so that's why you have a, a loss no, like no, that. Coach O, yeah, you know, I like Coach O as some offseason rumors that uh, I wasn't too fond of. But we're going to we're gonna keep it in with the SEC as we move to this games this Saturday. Two huge ranked games. We're going to start in uh, Tuscaloosa, Texas A&M, ranked 13th, going uh, traveling to Alabama, who is ranked second. Alabama is favored by three scores, 17 and a half points. So, Mitch Farnsworth, I'll start with you. Uh, how do you see this game playing out? Alabama's first huge test. I, I talked about how good you know Texas A&M could be this year, but just not. I when I saw the schedule and going against Alabama in the second week of the season. Yes, it wasn't a good test uh, to what I saw, but they didn't look good last week against Vanderbilt. They turned the ball over three times. Uh, Kellen Mond did, I think, just enough. I think he was 17 for 28, 189 yards and a touchdown. Um, it, it's going to be tough. I think uh, for any chance to beat Alabama, Isaiah Spiller, who's the running back for Texas A&M, but he's going to have to be the workhorse in that run game. Eight carries last week, 117 yards. Um, but this is not Vandy's defense. This is Alabama defense, five-star guys. You know, it's it's at Alabama. Uh, I think last week Missouri really got most of their stats late in the game against Alabama. Secondary was suspect for Alabama, but, again, that was in the second half. I, I think the main key to this game is going to be for Alabama to frustrate Mond early, which I think that they will um, because A&M could make this a game if he does get comfortable. But on the other side, Mac Jones looked just in control pretty much last week in that Mizzou game. Uh, he uh, most underrated running in all of college football. He had 17 carries, 98 yards, and three touchdowns. And I expect him to have a big game against this Texas A&M defense. So my prediction, I think Alabama will run away with this one, 38-17 over Texas A&M. Yeah, I was going to have a pretty close scoreline to that as well. Uh, I think Najee Harris is going to explode this game and. Uh, I, I think this could be a factor of A and M is um, just in the SEC, so they're ranked. They should they're going to be ranked higher than what they actually uh, should look like. Uh, they're a top fifteen school, and I think Alabama, alongside uh, Mac Jones, Jalen Waddle, Naj- Najee Harris, I think they're going to blow them out of the water. I, I think it'll be close in the first half, um, and then Alabama is really going to uh, put the put, put the foot on the throat uh, and go for the kill in the second half. Um, and I'm going to go with the score line uh, of forty one. Uh, 24 uh, Alabama so Mitch Bala your thoughts on this game and do you think A&M could potentially cover the 17 and a half well sure every team can potentially do something 
but the real question is, will they? And the answer is no. I don't think, I, I think you hit it on the head that they're simply ranked as high as they are because of them being in the SEC. Uh, they're, they're a solid team. They're a solid school. We've seen that before, but they are not going to be able to compete with Alabama, in my opinion. I know some people aren't as high on Alabama as years past simply because of who who's there, you know, losing to uh, and everything else that we touched on last week. But um, there's there's one thing that Alabama holds over A&M, and that's Nick Saban over Jimbo Fisher. And I just think Saban will have his guys ready to play. And I fully anticipate Alabama to run the ball with Najee Harris. Mac Jones have a great game passing to on A&M, and I think they cover easily over A&M. All right. And then the the much bigger game in the SEC, 7.30 kickoff, Auburn against Georgia, 7 versus 4. Georgia favored by slightly just under a touchdown, 6.5 points. Huge game, obviously. Auburn looked pretty good last week, uh, uh, beating uh, Kentucky. Uh, Georgia looked kind of sloppy early on, but then really – Really put down Arkansas and won by 27. So, Mitch Farnsworth, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on this huge SEC matchup? Man, uh, this, this is going to be an interesting match. You know, I thought Bo Nix did great last week. You know, solid at 16 for 27, 233, and three touchdowns. I think still he misfired on a few of his passes, but I think he has a, some great wide receivers on the outside. Seth Williams, Anthony Schwartz, Eli Stove. Uh, I expect them to be a big part of... Um, of why Auburn could possibly win this game. But if you look on the other side, Georgia just didn't look impressive at all in Arkansas. And you could look at the scoreline 37 to 10, but it was mostly their defense in that game that Georgia, you know, made that scoreline. It's, it was just not good on the offensive side of the ball, but it was a win. And, um, um, you know, Jawan Mathis, who was the starter for Georgia this week, he struggled. Had to bring up the backup who did a solid job in you know winning against an Arkansas team. Obviously, that's you know a, a program that has been down in the bottom of the SEC the last few years. But um, you know this week, JT Daniels, who's transferring from USC, is now going to play. I don't know how much of an impact that's going to be for this Georgia team. Um, but if Georgia wants to win this game, it's going to be on the backs of their defense. Of many, I think they had three, two or three interceptions last week. Um, it made Arkansas's rush game almost pretty much non-existent last week, and I think Bo Nix. Um, I think last week no, Bo Nix was their leading rusher, so that doesn't key well for this Auburn offense. Um, so I do like Georgia. I think defense does Daniels makes enough plays for Georgia to hang on late in this game, and I like Georgia twenty-eight to twenty-four. Wow, very close game, uh, Mitch Bala. How do you see this one playing out? I'll agree that Georgia did not look very appealing last week at Arkansas. Auburn looked better than what I thought. It's going to be a good game. I mean, potentially be one of the better games that we see all of college football this year. Just basically going off last week, I guess I got to go Auburn here because Georgia didn't impress me. Um, I know the uh, spread is pretty close, and I'm looking forward to this game, but I'm not going to hit on you know what I expect Bo Nix to do or the Road Dogs here in Auburn. Farnsworth was given them right there. I'm assuming you're going to say it's a close game as well, Fred. Yeah, absolutely. I think it will be a close game, and I'm also going with the upset with Auburn. Uh, I think Auburn is going to go on the road uh, and win. Uh, the, the whole quarterback situation for Georgia, uh, I'm not a fan of. They still don't even know. They started um, 
Dewan Mathis, and then they put in Stenson Bennett, and now JT Daniels has been medically cleared. Um, so they don't even know who, who they're going to start with their quarterback yet. Um, and Auburn absolutely knows who they're starting with Bo Nix. Um, they need to get the running game going, which is always tough in the SEC, but Bo Nix can't always lead you in rushing, um, and he certainly won't be able to do that uh, if, if Auburn's going to want to win the game. But I am going to take the Tigers to pull the upset. They were my preseason pick to win the SEC, and obviously uh, up until they play Alabama, this will be certainly their toughest test. Um, I think it'll be a lower-scoring game. I think both defenses are really solid, especially Georgia's. But with the whole inconsistency of Georgia's offense, um, especially their quarterbacking situation, where one guy can get benched after one series if he plays poorly, I never think that's the right way to do it. Uh, you should get, go to one guy and commit to one guy unless he unfortunately gets hurt or is playing so poorly you have to bench him. Um, so I'm going to go Auburn here. I'm going to go 24-14. Uh, I think Auburn pulls the upset um, and, and remains undefeated. And, and really, that, I know they played Kentucky, who was ranked, but I think if a win here, especially on the road at Georgia, would really put uh, the whole SEC on notice. Um, especially Bo Nix. I think Bo Nix is going to have, uh, he's already had his coming out party. I think he'll have another one, um, and, I, and I'm and i pulling the upset here. So, uh, Mitch Farns, with any other thoughts uh, on the two big games in the SEC? Um, and the, my question to you is, uh, you, you picked Georgia to win the game, but how could you see it if Auburn were to pull the upset? What would have to happen for Auburn to, to pull the upset? I think that they would have to do well against the secondary of Georgia that looked good last week. I think they have, you know, one or two of the NFL caliber wide receivers, and I think Seth Williams is the leader of those three that I already listed off. I think they would have to get some big plays against that Arkansas defense, and they would have to frustrate J.D. Daniels. I think, you know, that's always tough. Is you know, the whole the whole rest of the team has already played a game, and then you throw a new guy totally in, you know, off, that's has just been medically cleared. So that's always a worry to uh, have. But um, when, when it's behind him, if he does have something go wrong with him, you got to have that worry of, you know, what happens at, behind him. But uh, you just got to hope JT Daniels can stay healthy here. But for Auburn to win, I think it's going to be to frustrate him early and, you know, get out to your wide receivers and try to build a run game because they just had, had no run game at all last week against uh, uh, Kentucky. Well, absolutely agree. Um, and those are the two uh, key games we were going to focus on this week. And, and last year, uh, we all had our own top 10 standings, which we'll, we'll bring back here shortly. Uh, but I did want to ask you guys, coming in, this is week five of uh, the college football season. Um, they have Clemson ranked number one. Um, they put in the Big Ten back in the AP poll. Uh, Ohio State was ranked. Uh, Penn State was ranked. Wisconsin was ranked. Michigan was ranked. Um, but my question to you, Mitch Ball, I'll start with you. Uh, going into week five, who's your number one team in the country? I guess it would have to be Clemson since they're ranked number one still. Um, I mean, I, I want to say Ohio State, but they still haven't played yet. As, as unfair or as much crap as I can get from that from listeners and other people. But you, you go with the team that's number one right now. You go with the team that has looked impressive, and it's it's obviously Clemson, so they, they stay at number one for me. But it'll be really interesting to see once all of college football is back, including the Big Ten and the Pac-12 in their shortened season. I'm not saying they'll be a number one candidate for the Pac-12, but um, for the sake of this, I, I'll say it's still Clemson right now. Yeah, right. In the AP poll, uh, Clemson had 55 of the first place votes. 
Um, Ohio State, who came in and entered six, had four first place votes. First place votes, and then Alabama, uh, who was ranked second, had three first place votes. So, Mitch Farnsworth, uh, who is your number one school uh, going into Week Five? I think it has to be Clemson, even though you look at it and say they played Wake Forest in the Citadel, but they did what they had to do. They convincingly won both games. Um, Alabama is there, but they played Missouri, and they've only played one game on the road. You, know, you got to see how overall after Frank is. We saw Georgia win thirty-eight or thirty-seven ten, and it didn't look like that was the scoreline at all on the field. So I'm going to have to go with Clemson just because how convincing they are. But we will certainly find out how good Clemson is next week against Miami for sure. Yeah, I'll have a clean sweep here. I'm going to go with uh, Clemson as well. Um, they they have, I guess, looked the most dominant, although they haven't really played anybody just yet. Um, and obviously, uh, like Mitch Ronsworth just stated, their, their biggest test is going to be uh, this next week because they're going to bulldoze Virginia this week, uh, favored by four touchdowns. So as of right now, uh, Clemson is all, th- all three of us ranked number one. And before we get into our locks and picks of the week, um, I, w- I did want to touch on one more thing um, that happened across the college football, especially in the Big Ten. Uh, Micah Parsons has opted out and has remained uh, to opt out as well. Um, so, Mitch Farnsworth, your thoughts on that huge loss for Penn State um, and, and what it sort of does for their season as they lose their best defensive player? That is that is a, a huge loss for that Penn State defense. So Micah Parsons is probably, I would say, a top ten pick, maybe even top five pick in this next draft that I've I've looked over. But man, that, that is a huge loss for Penn State. Kind of an unknown how Penn State can do this year, but that that is a a big blow to that team. I think that uh, uh, that that's you know always hate to lose you know one of those big breakout players in the Big Ten, and you know they can show. Um, no matter what team you're cheering for in the Big Ten, you always want the best players on the field no matter what. Um, but that, that is a huge loss for Penn State. I think that's going to be uh, an advantage, obviously, for the rest of the other teams in the Big Ten, the, the Big Ten uh, East, excuse me. And, um, man, that, that, that is – it's sad to see like, some of these guys, kids that opt out. You know, you, you wanted to see at least them one more – or at least see them one more time. Um, in the Big Ten schedule, but just uh, it's not in the cards. Parsons is going to wait. He's pretty much a guaranteed top five pick. I totally understand the decision, but you know there's other guys that are coming back. Peyton just got um, he opted back in, so that's going to be a huge um, lift up for Minnesota, who has Michigan Week One. But yeah, that's uh, a huge loss for Penn State. Yeah, uh, Micah Parsons is a player that can can change around a whole game, especially when you look at Week Two, how early they play Ohio State. Um, and they're going to have to obviously fill that void, and they're not going to have much experience going into only week two, only having one game of uh, one game before they play the best team in the Big Ten. So it'll be real, interest, real interesting. And, uh, and then Mitch Bala, uh, I wanted to see your thoughts on the Micah Parsons um, remaining to opt out. It's huge for Ohio State. I mean, we're talking about the best player on their team, a potential top five NFL pick, a tremendous talent and player that you have to account for when you. Uh, game plan and scout for the opposing team. So for Ohio State to go there week two, that's a huge bonus for Ohio State. It definitely hurts Penn State a little bit, but I'm also I'm not going to overreact and act like this knocks them out 
completely of competing in the Big Ten East or um, being one of those surprise teams because Penn State is also a a big time Division One football school in the Big Ten. They get a lot of good recruits. Um, so who knows what else they've had out there? And let's keep in mind they've known he's not playing for he wasn't going to be playing for a while. The question arose if he's coming back after the season got announced it was coming back. So they've had somebody been practicing and they've had they've been game planning for him not to be there. So I'm sure they have somebody that will be ready to step in. He might not be the same level of Parsons, but um, it, it's not like we're talking about a top player from a, a Rutgers that will automatically change the complexion of the game, but they also have good recruits that, were, that are waiting to play anyway. Yeah, a lot of solid points there. Um, and then a recap of last week's locks of the week. Uh, Mitch Farnsworth came out blazing. Uh, he is in first place, 2-0 and with two and a half points. Uh, he correctly picked uh, Baylor as his lock. And then his upset with Syracuse plus eight uh, gives him the full two and a half points. Um, and then Mitch Bala and I are both tied uh, with one point. Uh, I correctly had Cincinnati covering by 13 and a half. They win by 14. Um, and then Duke, I had plus five, who it looked kind of good for a while, and then they ended up getting blown out uh, against Virginia. Um, and then Mitch Bala had a, a push, so when there's a push, there's no point there. Uh, Louisville and Pitt, uh, Pitt was minus three, and they won by three. Um, and then Mitch Bala, you know, take, taking the gamble against Alabama, um, you know, his insider source uh, proven to be right. Uh, Shout out to my neighbor, Sean. Thank you, Sean, for the, uh, the insider information. Yep, absolutely. And then Missouri, uh, Alabama, he had Missouri plus 27. They only lose by 19. You're good for one point. Um, so everyone is looking up to Mitch Farnsworth right now. So Mitch Farnsworth, I'll start with you. Um, you're, who, who is your lock of, of week two? I'm going to take NC State at Pitt. It's the 14-point favorite. Um, NC State's defense has struggled this season, and Pittsburgh has one of the best pass rushers, uh, pass rushes in the country. Um, had the most sacks last year in 2019, led by Rashad Weaver and Patrick Jones. Um, Pitt had seven alone last week uh, in 12 tackles for loss against Louisville. And NC State's defense, or offensive line is not great. They gave up six sacks to Virginia Tech. They are hammered for 314 yards and three touchdowns. Pitt has to have been slow to start the season running the ball, but I think they get that started this week against that NC State team. But I think Weaver and Jones are going to have a field day, and uh, Pitt will win this one easy. All right. I mean, as of right now, everyone is uh... – Looking up t- to Mitch Farnsworth, who, you know, his, his upsets are where he's real good at. Last last year, you know, the locks would always give him problems. Uh, but the upsets kept him in there all the way to the final week uh, of last year um, and, and starting off strong again. Uh, so for my lock, I'm going to take Tennessee um, over Missouri. Uh, I'm getting 11 and a half. Uh, I like the senior quarterback, uh, Jarrett Gordano of Tennessee. And I think Tennessee, you know, Everyone always thinks they're the team in the SEC that's quote-unquote back. Um, I, I don't see that. I don't see them competing in the SEC um, uh, East. But ultimately, I, I do think th- they win this game uh, and cover the 11.5 points. And I think they're going to have a strong running game. And Missouri kind of kept it close with Alabama. Uh, Alabama took their foot off the pedal at the end. And I, I don't think Tennessee will do that as it's their home opener um, So in Knoxville. So I'm going to take Tennessee in 11.5 um, and then Mitch Bala, you know, taking a risky one here, taking a team off a loss. Uh, who is going to be your lock this week? 
Boomer, Sooner, I just, I, I had to. The seven-point favorite um, playing Iowa State, coming off a loss, I think Rattler's going to have a lot to prove. Lincoln Riley's going to have the team fired up, and I think Oklahoma's going to have a lot to prove coming off that huge upset loss and wanting to get back into the picture for not only the Big 12, but potentially a college football playoff spot. So my lock is Oklahoma by over a touchdown at Iowa State. And then for the upsets, you know, Mitch Farns was taking a, Mitch Farns was taking a, an absolutely mammoth matchup uh, this week. Um, two really, really highly ranked teams uh, in Division One football. Um, so Mitch Farns, who are those two teams? Hey, it's the battle of the Sun Belt. It's the biggest game of the Sun Belt this week. I'm going to go Arkansas State at Coastal Carolina, the three and a half point dog, home dogs, Coastal Carolina. Um, Grayson McCall, their quarterback, has been playing great. He has a 213.5 uh, quarterback rating. They've already beat Kansas. The defense has improved significantly from uh, averaging, I think, 30 points last year and dropped it into about 20 just for the, through the first two games. Um, I know Arkansas State's coming off the win over Kansas State two weeks ago, but I do like the home team in this one. Uh, the Chanticleers will uh, they'll beat the Red Wolves, I think, in this game. Battle of the – pretty much to determine who's going to win the Sun Belt this early in the season. But, um, yeah, I like the Chanticleers here in, uh, against the Red Wolves. All right, and I'm also taking a huge matchup here. I'm taking East Carolina plus one and a half over Georgia State. Uh, Georgia State is starting uh, a freshman quarterback, Cornelius Brown, and I think East Carolina's defense is going to give them fits. Both teams are coming off a loss. Uh, East Carolina lost to, to UCF. Georgia State lost to uh, 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 the Raging Cajuns uh, in, a, in a thrilling overtime loss. But ultimately, I'm going to take the Pirates to get their first win of the year. Um, and, I, and I think I'm going to get two and a half points this week. And I and I think I'm going to catch up to Mitch Farnsworth here. Um, so we'll see what happens with that, obviously. Uh, and then Mitch Bala to end the show. Um, your lock of the or your upset of the week, excuse me. Well, boys, I'm going to stay away from Saturday games and go to Friday night college football against two offensive juggernauts between Louisiana Tech and BYU. BYU averaging over 50 points per game. Louisiana Tech averaging just south of 50 of 48 and a half. Um, Louisiana Tech offense, just it's going to be a slugfest. But I think the road dogs, Louisiana Tech, can cover the 24-point spread at BYU, and that will be my upset pick of the week. All right. Well, there you have it for episode 21 of Much More Football, a huge week uh, in the SEC, and we will absolutely be back for you guys next week um, as there's always big games um, in college football. Uh, Florida, Texas A&M, Georgia, Tennessee, the Red River Showdown next week, Texas, Oklahoma. So a lot to cover next week. And we hope you guys tune in. So we'll see you when we see you. Go Bucks.